0: This is the Heart to Heart Foundation podcast. It will be covering a walk from the geographic centre of Australia to the centre of the nation's capital in Canberra to raise awareness of the mental health issues faced by our first responders. We ask a lot of the people in our police, emergency services and all frontline workers. That takes a big toll on them and their families, which is why this walk is happening. These are just everyday people that have to do extraordinary things. These people are just like my dad.
1: to the Heart to Heart Walk podcast. Today we're coming from Popultar Lake, which okay. is about 150 k's south of Broken Hill on the Silver City Highway. And we've got a very special guest dialed in via satellite link to us on site here today, and that is Senator Jackie Lambie. G'day, Jackie.
0: G'day, mate. Uh, I have to ask why you're sitting on your butt when you're supposed to be out there walking. I mean, seriously. Oh. Is this why oh. should we come with you guys?
1: Oh, I knew I was going to... I knew I was going to cop it because <laughs> our one and only female walker at the moment that we got, Prue, the ambulance officer from Victoria, is out there doing the hard yards on the uh, Silver City Highway as we speak, and here I am sitting in uh, Dolly the Caravan. Oh, yeah, <laughs>
2: I
0: knew you for us women to be holding the butts of you men up, mate. Yeah, it's she's great.
1: she's... Yeah, I tell you, she's holding her own. She's uh yeah, she's got a work cut out for her though. Good on,
0: how's the weather? How's the weather been so far? Yeah, fun? actually we
1: had a little bit of rain lately, but we've been so lucky. Except for the very start of the walk, we had a heap of unseasonal rain up right at Lambert Centre up in the bottom end of the Northern Territory which caused all sorts of road closures and stuff, but we got there, we got there to the starting point on July 1 and we got away. So uh Nice. Yeah. And that was uh, that was off the back of when we caught up down in Canberra back in February, wasn't it? Because, uh, nice. yeah, you, you did the walk with us uh, for the launch. So. Yeah, I did. Yeah, around the way. Yeah. Today's a really fantastic opportunity for us because speaking to a senator, uh, politician like yourself that doesn't beat around the bush and just says things how they are, you know, it's absolutely gold for knockabout people like us on this walk. You know, we've got a whole bunch of coppers and fireys and ambos, and people that are, you know, generally speaking, no-nonsense people. And as soon as I mentioned that this was happening today, everyone's just roared going, Jackie Lambie, that's fantastic. So I can't wait to hear what she's got to say. So uh, look, really appreciate it from the whole walks perspective that you've taken time out of your busy schedule for us today. But going back a little bit, you've had a lot to do with uh, defence type uh, matters within your time in government. And... Off the back of your military service, just tell us a little bit about what your service was. And I'd really love to hear about the military policing side of things because we've got heaps of coppers on the walk and whether there's any sort of similarities there.
0: Yeah, first of all, I want to thank you guys for going out there and and raising awareness because it is a great way to do this by walking out there uh, in front of people so they see you. And I think, you know, when it comes to um, first responders and their mental health, they, they really get smashed out there um, and you know, and I know I understand that people look at the military first, but and I very careful the way I want to go out there and say, you know, uh, it is not just us that end up in war zones. We also have federal police, we have had fires out there, that sort of thing. You usually guarantee between 20 and 30 people that have served or are reservists in our military, also first responders, yeah. are nursing, the ambulance police. Uh, Even to um, prison officers, um, things like that. So always giving back to the community. So well done on you guys for raising awareness. Thank you. Uh, I think what really hurts us is we don't usually go out there and complain too much. We just suck it up because that's what we're supposed to do. (laughs) But uh, in saying that, I am very aware the Australian people. When you mention a first responder, whether it's military, uh, you know, or it's policing, or it's ambulance nurses, whatever, are always very ready to be engaged in the conversation. You know, and I'm very thankful for what we do. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. But um, I think for my uh, my service, the military police, so I've done just over 10 years in the military. The first five years of that I did um, in transport. My dad was a truck driver for um, about 50 years. And yeah, I right. guess that was second nature for me. So I was, yeah. you know, before I was walking, I was already sitting on dad's knee driving the truck. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, we've we've spoken to some amazing truckies as we've been walking on the radios, actually, just letting them know that we're, you know, you see them in the distance and saying, hey, heavy vehicle heading our way, a couple of walkers with an escort vehicle. And they've been the most amazing people to chat with, actually, on oh, the radio. Yeah, pass they, that on, make sure it
0: gets down through the rest of the, you know, rest of yeah, the Yeah, so, they've been great. Yeah, it has been. Uh, so that would be great, which is really good. And that brings awareness too because they're all still talking to each other. So that, that's that's a good conversation for everyone to have, whether you're driving a truck mate or whether you're driving past with the kids in the car going, what are these guys doing? Yeah. Um, you know, so that is a good thing. Um, so I did that for about six years. I did realise that by the time I was 24, 25, that I probably was not really wanting to be driving um Mac trucks up and down the Hume Highway when I was fifty. <laughs> so you know, reality set in. Driving trucks didn't seem as much fun um, after that. Um, so, so then I thought, well, I better do something with my career. I actually went and done a movements course. I don't think I wrote about this in my book, and I'm not sure if I've spoken about it. So I always forget about it. But I went and done a, a movements, uh, what what we call movements in the military, where you move personnel, the cargo, all that sort of stuff. So it's sort of like a glorified travel agent. God, yeah, right. I haven't offended anyone in military for saying that. Look out. <laughs> anyway, I went oh, out. I only got towards. I got about four weeks in. And I pulled out. and I said it's just not my cup of tea. Which did not go down well, well with the uh, <laughs> commanding officer at the time. But um, he did say to me in the end, he said, "Well, what do you really want to do?" I said, "Oh, I think I'll just go into policing because that's what I wanted to do before I joined." Right. The military. I wanted to um, do uh, go into policing, but. Um, I think it's just military was standing in front of me, and I hadn't done my last six months of Year Twelve when I was starting to get settled in, and, and I'm quite sure I would have got all the grades in the end then. But um, after a gap, taking a gap year to grow up a bit, uh, but unfortunately, uh, I joined the military. So anyway, I get about six years, and I thought um, I had had incidents with police in my younger years. You know, I you know. <laughs> You know, I was just getting to know them well. A colourful so, character. Yeah, I, well, you know, I had some experience on the other side, so I thought I'd better get back to um, better get back to society after the crap I'd caused them. <laughs> anyway, an the embarrassment for going, I don't know, three or four times into court with my mother on my tail. You can imagine how embarrassing that was for my yeah. poor mother, God forbid.
1: I bet you paid for it.
0: Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> she said, when you have your own children, you'll pay for it. Yep, let's not go there. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> paid for that with one of them, but, uh, you know, it's, it's been a learning curve, and uh, you know, talking about those kids that are most at risk out there, actually, they're not that difficult to deal with. We're just not doing it very well, but we can come back to that in a later date. Yeah. Uh, so then I joined the military police, um, which I found difficult for the first probably 12 to 18 months because it was like a, like a, um, uh, uh, like a um, a field unit, which is a, a command unit type thing. Uh, right. was of these girls that entered these units, and I have to be honest, there was there was only a handful of us against those men. I went from driving trucks with gentlemen that were just really cool to being in the. Uh, it was a whole new ball game of I don't know how can we put this. There's a lot of bloody arseholes in military police, mate. Anyway. Yeah, right. Anyway, so anyway, you, once you've been in there, they're either, you're either going to sink or swim when you're around those sort of men, right? So Jackie did got sink. I did sink. I ended up having a swing, got charged. I think I'm the only one still female MP, Anyone to ever lose rank uh, and uh, be just about <laughs> chucked out of the army. So anyway, let's not worry about that bit. So you'll have your name yeah. on a
1: board in some uh, yeah. some boozer there somewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's about what it come down to, mate. Too many beers and uh, a bit of a swing at someone that was annoying me for a long time, and uh, that did not go well. That, that was done in a police boozer, mate. On a few, I mean, my behaviour was disgraceful. I'll call <laughs> it out. All right, sorry, yeah, it never, let's not go into that. Uh, the we've probably
1: all been there, we the just haven't an all
0: and I had to go in the back of the bandwagon and drop the oh, military no. police girl off at her house. How embarrassing. No. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so I did wear that. So they, they the big man at the top weren't quite sure what to do about me, and they just said, Oh, I think she needs some passionate posting. She probably needs, so I just had a son too. I may have had a bit of baby blues or whatever. Yeah, right, right. I was not dealing with things very well. So i just come home for 12 months, pick myself back up and worked out there's only one way I'm going to survive in the military. I've got to learn how to handle these men. So I went up to Darwin, being in one of those um, command units again, and uh, sorted out and worked those men. Uh, then now I've had a rest and, and put everything into perspective and had those men worked out within about six months. But once I learned how to, um, you know, I think the best thing that I ever did, first of all, was... Swing at one of them, even though all I did was break my little finger and didn't lo- lose a bruise on him and lost rank. Okay, let's not worry about that. Because then that just then you only got small number of military police. they go, going, don't go near Lambie; she's a bloody psychopath. And then within three months of being in a new unit up there, because it was fairly new at Robinson Barracks, um, you know, one of the boys come at me and I, I just picked up a, um, I had like a four v two or something like that, and I said, well, come on then, let's 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 play. So anyway, yeah. they left me alone. Then built me all the respect I needed, and then I had them where I needed them. Trouble is with the men; men have weaknesses that yeah, women we got have. A lot of them. Aids, and I say that nicely, but it goes goes both ways. So women, yeah. you know, we don't have the strength of the, that the men do. You know, we can't carry as much usually. So there, there's all that women are a, bit, a lot better with emotional stuff. So when those men, when you're dealing with 60 or 70 men, you are only one or three females in that unit, and you can work between them and family issues that are going on, sit down and talk to them. Obviously, I was quite mature at 26, 25, 26. So I already yeah, yeah. kids, you know. So yeah. um, I think that was very helpful to get up close and personal um, with them and learn more about them, you know, spending a lot of time outfield. So you were usually one of the only women around 20 men and you'd hear what wow. they were saying over night time. You'd be those conversations and... Um, you know that sort of thing. So for me, that that taught me, uh, you know, how to do how to deal with them, which I'm yeah. very grateful for today because we get uh, obviously more men because of the number of men through the military that go through, especially army, compared to women, you know, we get we get quite a few of them coming through this office that are on their last legs. You know, yeah. PTSD is well and truly setting, in. their claims are taking years, and they seriously are. You've got to be able to talk their lingo. I don't mm. think that we could save as many as we do, and we would, have lost, well, we would have lost quite a few coming to this office. If we didn't have that, Have that. we have another veteran, a girl, Marie. She's ex-Navy. Uh, she deals with them. So she's able to use, she went through, like I did, with first all of those guinea pigs through those combat yeah. units as such, and she was, I mean, her body's just wrecked like the rest of us, um, you know. But once again, while we're on that, still see the CDF wants to send them out there to the Royal Australian Regiments, you know, out there with the grunts. Our bodies yeah. aren't made like that, mate. We've got yeah. plenty to give, but making us carry the same weight as those men and they say you shouldn't be carrying 130 body weight is just bullshit. That's yeah. not how it works in the field. You carry like everybody else does because you've got to be accepted by the men.
1: But anyway. Done some damage to your body though.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, but you guys feel the same thing because you're on awareness all the time. And then you're training for it. You've got to train every day for it. And then when you do have to use that that excessive physical ability in you, whether it's to bring somebody down or whatever, but you've also got to train for that too. So you're putting your body under a lot of stress
1: all the time. Yeah, that's right. But It all takes a toll. But I I, I can only imagine what it's like for you with your background working on those things within government uh, and giving you that insight sort of, I guess, perspective in relation to the topic that you're you're working on. And that's, um, you know, that's what I've found a bit hard to fathom with things like the 2019 senate report into um, you know the mental health of first responders because I guess I look at it practically from what I know uh, those issues that are are being uh, I guess picked up in that report where it were the inquiry was all about it and they come up with all those recommendations and then from me I just can't understand why that sort of stuff doesn't get traction uh, you know not knowing all of the mechanisms of government and how it all works but it, like I boiling it right back to the fact that a majority of of it was state and territory responsibilities to implement, but you have this great overriding federal Senate inquiry report that doesn't really get action. So that does that sort of stuff. I, I guess when you look at it with your you know operational background and, and you know what people go through in these agencies and stuff like that, how does that rest with you?
0: Um, I find it really difficult because it's a, it's a pattern of behaviour right through the bureaucracy, and this is why you got you had robo-debt, mate. Yeah, this is right. why you have, you know, we do, I, I laugh at these inquiries. Inquiries are a great thing to sit on when you're fairly new, like I did a lot the two or three years just to get my head across the subjects or the portfolios. But serious, now I sit there and um, a little bit different, I'm doing the, obviously, the Chair of the Senate Select Committee into disaster resilience. And the reason I'm going to spend my time and use my time on that is because I actually believe, hopefully Tasmanians will give me another six-year term. And secondly, I want this implemented. We need something like a National Guard. I don't give a shit what anyone else says. That's Mm. what we need. If I have to go to one more state for a visit and they go, I'm sorry, but if you don't bring the military in before and after, we're screwed. Huh? Mm. Okay. So then we've got our own problems um, going on in there, obviously, with retention and people wanting to join up. Um, mm. But the whole bureaucratic process—you got, to, you've got, you've got to just, you got, you gotta just—you have, have got to drive it like a bitch. There's no other way to put it. When those recommendations are up there, it was like getting a royal commission for um, veterans. Now, as much as there've been plenty of people out there asking, pushing for, pushing for that, and we'll always be grateful. Um, you know, it has that opportunity. I had that opportunity to play a piece of that puzzle or be a piece of that puzzle. Mm. It was my strength in the Senate, and I think by using that strength, by being a big voice out there by not having to deal with, I don't have to deal with backbenchers or anything like that. It is my voices out there and I think that I've established myself in that realm, um, in, that, in that position out there While I will continue to fight with its first responders, whether it's, you know, the military, no matter what pack they are because they always seem to be forgotten and they just, and I think that's because we never jump up and down at those politicians. Yeah. You no, know, the military can't say, hey, you know what, you can all, excuse my French, but you can all fuck <sighs> off today and we're going on strike, yeah. you know, because it just doesn't happen. Now, Because doesn't if work. I was a commander yeah. of a big unit out there, I'd say, hey, <laughs> boy, sit in your packs. I'm just going to ring the minister because I have no fear of them because seriously, they're ministers. They're normal people up there. and Most of them do not have real-life experience.
1: Yeah, and that's what worries you know, me. No, I start
0: waving on them behind closed doors, mate. They don't really go into the streets because I'm just not putting up their <laughs> crap anymore. Yeah. And I've had to build that credibility and that respect out there. I certainly didn't have that 10 years ago because I was,
2: right.
0: you know, I was like a bloody wrecking ball when I first come in. So they've watched me grow. They've watched me become more proficient at that, and I've had to do that over time. Um, so, yeah, I have no I have no problem using a bit of intimidation up there if I have to. I'll be brutally honest with you, and I mean that yeah. politely, because sometimes they just need a bit of a boot up the arse. Is yeah. not tactfully putting it.
1: Well, I hope you're on our side because that's exactly what we need. <laughs> you guys need
0: a white card.
1: Yeah, well, that actually, it was start. funny. Around the fire last night, Hoppy, one of the walkers, uh, said that he walked with you around the lake uh, in February and he mentioned that um, that you were talking about the white card and that, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff around that. Uh, the Royal Commission into Defence at the moment, the, the suicide side of the house and DVA side, I mean, we look at that and go, well, that's fantastic that they've got it. But at least they've got a system. I mean, our system typically across the country for police and emergency services is if you get hurt and banged up, you get thrown right. to a whole bunch of insurers. Um, yeah. The agency that you worked for doesn't want to know you. They've just farmed you out to a, an insurance company that yeah. is administering their workers' compensation uh, aspect of what they need to do for you, and, that, and they just leave you to the wolves. And... You know, when we hear you talk so passionately about helping and protecting the defence people that you're obviously quite still not... Uh, loyal to is not the right word, but, you know, you've got a very uh, a big identity attached to that uh, from your history. And, you know, when when we hear... We're, how they've progressed and what they've now got—it's it, such a—it's great that they've got—they've got a system, whereas we don't. We for the most part just have insurance companies.
0: They should, uh, but they are operating like an insurance company. This is the no, problem. They've gone for being what should have been Department of Veterans Affairs, looking after veterans and making sure they can get on their lives and pick up the pieces and yeah, you know. Um, and dealing with that, they've actually just turned off a civilian insurance company. That's where we're at today. That's what we feel yeah. like, us in uniform, that, that we might as well be dealing with, uh, you know, whether it's a road road transport accident, dealing with an insurance company there. That's what's become like a bloody insurance company instead of putting a veteran first. it's.
1: I was hoping you weren't going to say that because I looked at it as a system and knowing some of the people in my PTSD group that are defence, because it's, it's a mix of defence and emergency services, and, um, you know, they talk about, the system and all the problems in it, but yeah. I, I had it in my head. I was, I was hopeful that it was uh, better than what we had at least. It
0: could be, it could yeah. be, but the trouble is with politics. Every time he's made a change to any veterans acts, what they've done instead of fixing what should have been fixed because it we was slightly broken, they bring in a whole new band aid and put over the top of it, mate. And then you st- you you do that for twenty or thirty years, mm. then you are going to run into problems.
1: Yeah, it's a mess. Okay, the
0: best thing that they could do now is get all those acts, put them all together under one act because there's right now four of the four acts out there, Plus COM Super, and then, you know, put um, annexes or attachments to them for people who have served in a war zone or peacemaking, peacekeeping
2: mm.
0: uh, where they, they shouldn't have to go through the hurdles a bit as tough or making sure that whatever they've got now they don't lose,
2: mm.
0: so just making this system a lot better. There is easier ways. They're running on also really IT, really old IT equipment. I mean, they've spent hundreds of millions on IT equipment since I've been up there the last 10 years. And once again, they can, instead of having something from start to finish, they just keep putting Band-Aids in it or putting a new bloody IT chip in it or whatever they call it these days. I don't understand the IT stuff, but this is the problem. And then you have bureaucrats up there on those massive big hundreds of thousands dollars worth of salary, that just because they managed in the army does not mean they can manage a goddamn department.
2: <laughs> Jesus, mate. <laughs> right? So oh, You yeah. see the
0: ones that sort of played up may have played up in the military a little bit. It's flowing under the darkness of the night. Next thing they've got some bloody double paid, earned twice as much money sitting at the top of some secretarial position and the yeah. top of the top of the public bloody service. Yep. So if I tell you, if a digger had done what they've done, they would have got dishonorably discharged and chucked out by bloody midday in the, mor- the next day,
1: and never seen That's again. That's where we yeah. yeah. Okay. That's so no good. We've,
0: got, we've got parliamentarians up there that actually believe these people because they've been given a <gasps> fucking diploma for Christ's yeah. sake, or they've been in the military, make some good managers. Sorry, it doesn't work like that.
1: No. It doesn't uh, Not
0: all of them can play. Not all of them can go out there and be around kids and march them around Kapuka either and get them ready for the military. Yeah. People have different skill sets, and this is the problem. They're they going think to lean you've got on they're good at. You've got officer written on it. You know, you're a major or, or yeah. a bit higher than that. God, you must be worth your weight and gold. Well, that's bullshit. You are yeah. not. <laughs> Someone else gave you that title because I bloody didn't. You know, that's <laughs> where we're at.
1: How do we avoid that then? Trying to fix the emergency services side of the house because well, we don't, get don't want to go, go that mate.
0: We'll jug them out to start with, right? <laughs> <laughs> there goes a third of me votes. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> oh, you have to laugh because in World War Two, it was one officer for every ten digger out there. Now it's nearly twenty-five percent officers. We're nearly one in four. Is that right? I mean, what the hell for? Wow. Yeah,
1: That's this how you is,
0: are. This, is, this is a bureaucracy of it. What for? I don't gotten, know when I see a major standing out there on the front line with his diggers, loading up.
1: Yeah, it's gotten pretty top heavy You hidden.
0: know what I mean. I mean, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is jobs for mate shit, and it started yeah. back there. Yeah. But, um, look, I just – my always figure, I know you guys need help. My figure was just let's get this sorted. Let's get a Royal Commission and let's hope those flow-on effects.
2: Yeah.
0: But right now I think, you know, the best thing that I could be doing for you guys and pushing, you know, over the next 12 months is that white card, at least get – yourselves, um, your your kids, if they mm. need drug and alcohol counselling or your wife or partner needs family counselling, that they can go and do that for free. At least yeah. we can do that for the families.
1: I think that's the big, that, i tell you, to be honest with you, that's what makes me the saddest in all of this is knowing, you know, it's bad enough that what happened to me happened to me and, and I ended up with the conditions that I've got and I manage my life the way I have to do now going forward but as you're well aware of, the flow on of that is my whole family's affected and they are not part of any consideration of an insurance company. They are no, not they didn't sign
0: up to serve, mate, did they? But they still no. signed up to stand next to you, which is, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't think you can ask for much more um, commitment and loyalty than that, that they already are exactly right. marrying and getting into and yeah. uh, they still stand by your side. So, yeah. And your poor, so poor, poor old kids, you know,
1: yeah and the kids are the just such an yeah. innocent little element of well they're not a little element they're a massive element but such an innocent little part of this terrible storyline that gets forgotten and and one of the things that really upset me we wrote to a minister the um police and emergency services minister back when my matter was getting really ugly And my daughter at the time was about 14 and she just wanted to be heard. She said, no one is listening to my side of this. And I I said, well, why don't you go and write a letter and I'll put it on the back of this um, uh, letter that I'm writing to the minister. And we did. And the only thing that ever came of that was one of the staff from that office got back in touch with us and asked us who Lillian was. And if he had have read the letter... Or read even my my uh, letter, it would have been very clear to say that attached is a letter from my daughter, and obviously her letter was all about my dad and my. This is my name. They didn't even bother to read either of them. They just asked me who she was. And i I'm like, wow, and that really took her. Like that gutted her because she thought she went to the effort of writing to someone from government, and that's what that was the response she got, and she really got disheartened. Uh, in in our prospects at, at the grand old age of 14 if that's that was the response that came back from that and geez she was that did some damage I tell you to that kid
0: yeah and it does do damage for them I think that's the sort of things it does um it's in my face because it is very dysfunctional the way they live actually when you especially yeah. um some are worse than others uh you know I've seen I mean my case man for 10 years that was a lot of impact on my children yeah. seeing all that and I still see that today when I go and see that some of these veterans are on their last last legs and I tell you it's right in my face, it's like walking into my own house, it's just you can smell the dysfunction not yeah. because it's the veteran's fault but because, but because the veteran's completely lost it yeah. uh, his wife's, you know their wife or their partner's been trying to drive through it with them for years, they're absolutely worn down because it's all about concentrating on, on them and then the poor kids they're not they're not, and it's not through anyone's fault, but it's a process is that they're watching their parents go through this, the heartache. And what makes it even worse is you can sort of get to a point where you can handle your injuries to a certain degree, whether they're physical, psychological or both. But it's when you cannot supply, and especially a man, especially a man can no longer, he's no longer putting bread and mm. bread and milk on the table. Because You've just taken away everything that they, have you know, that that's their manhood
1: gone just yeah. like
0: that. You know, that's what you've so,
1: configured your life to be, isn't it? Like that's yeah, realistically that's the, you what know,
0: you do. Contributing it really hits those men slightly a bit harder than what it does us in those situation. I think is because that's what they've always known: the man provides, the man provides. Mm. You know, they've always been drilled with that since I were born. So when you take yeah. that last little bit off them, that's it. We've, we've nearly lost them. Unless I can get them financial, get them back on that financial thing, that financial thing will finish them off.
1: Yeah, it, it does a lot of damage. Yeah. Just like to take a moment to acknowledge the support we've had from our platinum sponsors, Police Bank and the Australian Federal Police Association. As you'd understand, the logistics behind getting from Central Australia to Canberra are pretty big. And without their support, this walk wouldn't be possible. So thanks for getting on board, Police Bank and the Australian Federal Police Association. One of the things that I really did want to touch on is um, Tassie. Uh, I love Tasmania and uh, I wish I'd move there. My family doesn't like the cold and I love the cold. But anyway, that's a whole another story. But what I wanted to ask you is when you see places like Tassie that has implemented at a state level presumptive legislation in favour of PTSD for emergency services workers in the workers' compensation side of the house, so i.e., um, for people listening that don't know what that means, that is, so if you've been a police officer, an AMBO or a firey or whatever for a, a period of time, and sometimes it's defined, sometimes it's not, and you end up with PTSD, it's deemed to be as a result of your service unless they can prove otherwise. So in New South Wales, that's not the case, and most other states, other think, other than Queensland, uh, has recently implemented it as well. But how do we get to that? Uh, and, I, like, I know... Your federal role in Tassie probably didn't have a lot to do with that being implemented, but how do we get to this stage where the states and territories are building a very different landscape in the support side of the House for emergency services when fundamentally we're all doing the same thing? Cops cops in every state and territory of the country are doing a similar role. Fireies are doing a similar role. SES do a similar role. It's not that different, but all across the state, we end up with all of these variations of, of how people are looked after and supported and or um, you know even able to access support. How how uh, from a federal seat does that? Uh, it, it's just really confusing to me. And, I, and, I and think, on I this walk best, it's...
0: I think the best way is like I think I mentioned before. The first thing I have to do is go in and go be and try and make this better. That's taken me longer than anticipated. I'll have to say that two years on the sidelines under Section 44 really set me back. So I think yeah, right. we are close to getting that Royal Commission then. But um, I think the other thing is, is to start with the federal, Australian Federal Police because they are under Commonwealth. Yeah. Um, a smaller group of them compared to all the other states. And I think if we can make it right in Veterans Affairs, how do we do it for the Australian Federal Police? I think if I just get this right here, it would be a flow-on effect, but I need to get this right, and that's not going to be tomorrow. The Royal Commission doesn't finish it. Their findings uh, and their final report till the end of next June, and then I guess I'll be smashing that in. But Mm. seriously, we should be looking at Australian Federal Police and give them a Department of, I don't know, of Police Affairs or something that deals with their compensation, at least trialling that. Mm. try and get that right because much smaller numbers, if we can actually get theirs right, may even help over that side as well. But
1: Set it up as a template for the other be states.
0: Senior. Just yeah. see if it does, like, give, give them, I think you guys got ComCare on that anyway, but just can we do it with Australian Federal Plays because if we could get that right from scratch and learn what from we have from DVA, because that's going to take a lot longer to build. I yep. actually believe that we could build the other system for the AFP quicker. And if we could get that right, then the states could follow that. With their own um, state police. That's how I would see it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes that, sense if you got a if yeah. you got a good good template to work off, that's what you'd uh, yeah, implement I elsewhere. Think yeah. So,
0: yeah, but I haven't quite got that template yet because I'm still waiting for I, I I would have a better template in about twelve months time when the Royal Commission is completely over. Yeah. And the new legion and see what the acts look like and all that. Because then yeah. we'd have something to at least um, have a good look at and transfer it over to AFP but letting AFP see if we can run a system for them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, just because yeah. it's
0: smaller and you're about to pick up the incidents really quickly and what's going wrong on that. And I just, I think, I don't know why the country shouldn't be able to do this. So that's what I've been talking to you guys about in the last six or eight months, I guess, and working yeah. talking that out. Now, we've got to this point. I've got to the Royal Commission. What can we do with the AFP? Um,
2: yeah.
0: So I'll speak to you guys a little bit more about that over the next six months as well. Just yeah, see how we...
1: We appreciate anyway, it. I
0: put it out there now. So if there's any lawyers or anything like <laughs> that like, that want to discuss this with me and it's out there now, so but I think the easiest patch would be to hit the AFP first and see if we yeah. cannot get them a decent, decent compensation system that is workable, that the other states yeah. can look at and then follow.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay.
0: Actually, there's
1: quite a few AFP... Uh, former and current AFP uh, guys on the walk. So, um, you know, yeah. we, I have heard a lot about their, because I'm from New South Wales, but I've heard a lot about their systems and issues within it and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's been quite interesting to hear the variations across, you know, all the different states and territories that are on the walk. It's been really, uh, really interesting for us to uh, explore it. And, yeah, um, I
0: think what they should know too and what they should be hearing if they're not is the NDIS is a killer for us. And I mean that politely, but quite frankly, it's paying more money than what, we get, we get paid to see our psychologists, psychiatrists, and counselling. So, there's those AFP members out there or whatever that are struggling to get a counsellor or psychologist or psychiatrist or into see a specialist, mm. um, and I've spoken to Bill Short about this, but it's starting, I'm starting to get quite agitated. Is that, you know, I'm aware people out there have got um, disabilities, massive disabilities, and the NDIS was for that. But when you're paying them more money, when you're paying providers more money to deal with them than what you are, with our own, whether it be green uniform or blue uniform, then yeah. I have a problem with that. Mm. I have a big problem. And that's where we're sitting right now. That's an elephant, that's a white elephant in the yeah. room. So, um, yeah, so that's, yeah. that's thing.
1: Mm. You got a lot of work ahead of you.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's okay. I'll just stay on top of it. That's fine. <laughs>
1: we'll
0: have to come walk with well,
1: you guys. We better give you a rest day one day to uh, get your stuff in order too, eh?
0: No, there's no rest for the wicked, mate.
1: <laughs> yeah, we had an offline chat about that. And actually, one, one thing that has surprised me, you know, I would have thought 10, 10 sort of emergency services people with the backgrounds of these amazing people on this walk, starting in the middle of the desert and walking to Canberra. You know, we're over halfway now and we've come down from, through the, you know, Central Australian Desert all the way into Broken Hill and now we're heading down towards the Murray River country. And... We're not getting inundated with uh media interviews and requests, and uh you know I thought the paparazzi'd be out at us by now, and it's not happening so um yeah it's a little disappointing, but I mean we're uh, we're having a great time while we're walking out here and and passing the message on to so many people that we're crossing paths with uh but I'm hoping that as we get closer to canberra we'll uh, we'll get a bit more uh bit more public interest i guess in what we're doing uh and what it's all about, yeah. Because I think, you know, we've been looking at it too, thinking, you know, if we get into Canberra and then people get interested, well, the walk's over then. And yeah, yeah. the really interesting, you know, public public interest part of what we're doing is actually while they're watching, you know, a guy that's done 40 years in the cops, double knee replacement, walking down the Silver City Highway to prove a point. Yeah. You know, and I guess that's what's... Um, that's disappointed us a little bit, but, I mean, we're 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 very happy to be out here waving the flags that we've got and passing the message on every opportunity we get. But, uh, yeah, it would be nice to see a bit more uh, general media interest in what we're doing. And it's, it's a hard it's a hard sell, obviously, into the into the news market because it's, yeah, it surprised me, you know.
0: Yes, mate, just put money on top of a cop car, just tie us down and they'll be all over you. They'll wonder what's going on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> get rowdy, but you reckon. Some
0: sensationalism, guys.
1: Ah. Come on, we're going to have to find a boozer and
0: <laughs> cause Go a ruckus. play up. That's the one. Go play up and you'll have more there <laughs> the next day.
1: <laughs> Said by a true veteran of <laughs> that uh, behaviour. <laughs> hey, look, thanks very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. We can't wait to catch up with you when we get to Canberra. And uh, with any luck, we'll see you on the walk somewhere if your diary permits.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. And hopefully you'll wear that. Hopefully the weather will stay all right for you guys. And yeah, as, as long as it's bad.
1: not too bad going through the southern highlands, that's when it could get nasty. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, 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 Anyway, Senator Jackie Lambie, been a pleasure to have you on the Heart to Heart Walk podcast. Thank you for your open chat and, uh, yeah, look forward to catching up in Canberra. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Dar You've been listening to the Heart to Heart Foundation podcast, people on their own journey for the awareness of mental health in our first responders. Thanks for listening, and please remember to support our foundation by going to the webpage at www.hearttoheartwalk.org. That's www.heart, the number 2 heartwalkorg or just Google it.